Great. All right. All right, continuing our new series, our weekly series of Maimorim. We're learning, what Maimor are we learning? Maim Rabim. very good, which means lots of waters. And those words, Maim Rabim, come from where originally? Originally, originally. Shirashim, yeah, very good, okay. Yeah, and the, the verse in Shirashim says that all of the abundant waters will not extinguish the love, the love in the heart of the Jew, the love that the Jew has for Hashem. And as we explain, and this is a mimer from Tavshin Lamed Ches, from, it wasn't yet 1978, it was still the last couple months of 1977, um, that the Rebbe said after his heart attack, it was recorded and transmitted on speakers from the Rebbe's room. And the uh, as we explained last week, we learned the first two chapters last week. This is based on teachings of the previous Rabbeim, going back to the Alter Rebbe in Torah Or. And over there it's explained that the Maim Rabbim in our lives, the abundant waters, the flood waters in our lives, are the Tirdais Haparnosa. What does that mean? Tirdais Haparnosa. The pressure and stress of learning a ligative. Yeah, okay, pressure and stress, yeah. Uh, and, and the Rebbe explains, it's not so much the, the need to make a living, it's the mental exhaustion that sets in when it becomes our preoccupation. And the point of the way we interpret the verse Hasidically is that the many waters will not extinguish the love, meaning that even when one is distracted from God because of financial pressures, this will not bring one away from their devotion to Hashem. And in fact, this is where we left off, we didn't fully explain this concept, but we said, ironically, paradoxically, it is the situation of being in a physical world with physical needs and having to address those physical needs that actually, and we didn't explain how this works, will lead us to a greater love. So it's not only that our worries about making a living will not extinguish our love for Hashem, but they will actually, in the end, amplify our love for Hashem, which is really quite ironic. And we're saying, we didn't explain it yet, again, so don't ask me a question, how can that be? We didn't, I don't know, we didn't explain it. But the soul up in heaven doesn't have physical needs, it doesn't worry about money. It comes down into a body, all of a sudden, it worries about money. And you're saying to a soul, hey, go down into a physical world and have monetary issues and love Hashem from there? Well, what are you talking about? If I would have stayed in heaven, I could have loved Hashem so much more easily from there. And what we're saying is, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Hashem knows what He's doing. And actually, as strange as it sounds, you're going to end up, I'm talking about the soul, you, the real you, loving Hashem even more from this physical place where you're dealing with these financial pressures. Okay? That's what we learned last week. Okay. Isn't it yeah. ironic that we're also in Tanya learning from chapter 46, Kamayim of my Tanim, Panim? Kamayim, Panim, Tanya, yeah. Um, what were you saying? Because it's both Mayim? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Because Mayim, Mayim. Very good. Okay. And that's a good uh, time to advertise the Tanya share. Everybody should learn the Tanya share. Okay. Let's start. Chapter 3. Vihine. 
החידש בזה שמים רבים, there you go, מים again, שמים רבים לא יוכלו לכבס הסואבה. The חידש, the novel point, the, the concept that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. The surprising truth, that's the clickbaity term for it. The truth will shock you about why the waters don't extinguish the love. The Yadua is known. What, what does it mean it is known? It doesn't mean it's common knowledge, but it means if you learn Kabbalah, if you learn Chassidus, then you will have encountered this concept. It's a fairly ubiquitous concept in Jewish mystical teachings. That the source, the source of the floodwaters, the source means where something comes from in the spiritual realms before it manifests down here on the physical plane. The source of the many waters, the floodwaters, which again, the many waters means he worries about making a living. It's from the level called toihu. You want to translate toihu? Uh, chaos. Chaos, yeah, okay. What does that mean, chaos? Obviously, in, early in the Chumash, it uses that term, right? The world was chaotic, void, chaos and void. <laughs> Toihu is a level of creation, a very, very lofty level of creation. Let me finish the sentence here. Shekodim latikun, which precedes, which comes before tikun. What is tikun? Rectification. Great translation. Okay. So we have toyu and tikun, chaos and rectification. And which comes before which? Chaos. chaos comes before rectification. rectification. Are we in the chaos now? That's a great question. So let's talk about what chaos and rectification are. What other levels are there? These are the two main levels we're concerning ourselves with. There are many, many le levels of Seder Estalstus, but these are the two main levels. Toyu and Tikkun. Toyu and yeah. So we know that creation is a process, and that the physical creation as we know it is the culmination of that process. The time-space continuum is the culmination of that process. But prior to that, there are levels, spiritual levels. Now normally we speak about the four worlds, Atsilos, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, and yeah, Tanya, again, I mentioned Tanya, yeah, in our Tanya year we've been talking about the four worlds, different levels of Tzimtzum, right, of concealment, and each world, the word for world is Oilam, which means Halam, concealment, each world is a concealment. Each world hides more of the creator so that you see less creator and more creation until finally you're in the physical world where it looks like creation is ontologically independent. It looks like it just exists on its own. And the whole concept of creator becomes 
abstract. Yes. Hidden. What? Hidden. Yeah. Fine. Those are uh, the levels in Seder Stauslis. But then there's some stuff that happens, um, relatively speaking, prior to Seder Stauslis. I guess Seder Stauslis itself is a relative term where you consider it to have begun. But there is a system that exists before the system as we know it. But when we say before, we don't mean chronologically because it's all before time-space. So really, if you're asking when did it happen, it's happening now. And that's why when we describe it, we describe it as higher and lower, although of course we don't mean it in the spatial sense either because just like it's not temporal because it all happened before time, it's not spatial either. First of all, it's spiritual and space is a phenomenon of the physical world. But secondly, we're talking about stuff that existed before time-space. So we use words like before and higher. Before is a temporal term. Higher is a spatial term. But we don't mean either of those. They're, they're metaphorical terms. But if it's constantly being recreated, it's happening. It's happening right now. Right yes, now. yes, it is. Yes, it is. All the, all, the all the levels are happening right now. At first, at first, just suspension of our normal way of thinking about time, okay? The world was created in an unsustainable way with incredibly powerful lights and flimsy containers. See, the world is built from two, two dimensions, the energies and the containers. The energies are the lights, which we call oirois, and the containers, which we call kalim, the vessels. And originally, the lights were far too powerful for the vessels. And the vessels actually shattered, and there's something called shviras hakelim. The vessels could not contain the light. And these lights are described as being frenetic, wild, chaotic, if you will. And that condition where the lights of creation, the creative energy, is far too powerful for the containers to hold them, is referred to as toihu, as chaos. After that broke down, after, right, after, but it's happening now. After that broke down, then there was a system put in place called tikkun, rectification, where the vessels were much more sturdy and the lights were much less intense. And that was sustainable. However, one of the things that happened is the spiritual light became diminished so that it would be sustainable. Contained. Contained, but that's also part of why there's so much more concealment. The, the world that we know and we relate to is the world of Tikkun. And even the spiritual worlds that we learn about, that we learn about are largely part of that system of Tikkun. But we have to know that prior to Tikkun, there was this Toihu, and although it wasn't sustainable, it, was a it wasn't a mistake, God forbid. It was all part of the plan. It was a necessary part of the process. In other words, there had to be this stage of unsustainably intense creative energy as a process or stage in the process 
to getting to reality as, as we know it. So when he says here that the shoirish, the source of the mayim rabim is toihu, what he means is that the experience of the Mayim Rabbim, the, the flood waters, which we said is Tir Der Sepharnasa, worries about a livelihood, is a little manifestation in this world of something that's much higher. Meaning something that comes from the level called Taihu. And because it's from Taihu, which means chaos, we experience it as, as a chaotic experience. It's not soothing. It's not, uh, doesn't make us feel like we're, we want to relax. It makes us feel scared, like we don't know what's going to happen. Oy vey, what's happening next? This is so crazy. So that's, that's the chaos part of it, but also at the same time we have to realize that it's a glimpse into a higher level of reality. So he's explaining the reason why the tirdes apanosa, the worries about making a living, don't extinguish our love for Hashem, which he calls a chiddush. He says it's a novel idea. The reason why that is so is because these floodwaters are a delivery from a higher world, a higher system of reality. They are a glimpse into the level of Taihu, which is higher than Tikkun. Let's continue in the text. This that they're called many waters, abundant waters, because they are ample and many. Also from the standpoint of their root and source meaning they are from the level of Tayu, which is a level of rabim, of abundance, of overflow, of too much, which is why it wasn't sustainable, ultimately. Too much light, and it broke down. So the Maim Rabim is a glimpse into this system of this overwhelming frenetic light that's just too much, too much, Maim Rabim, too abundant. This is the Ravusa. The Ravusa means, it's also like the Chiddush. This is like the novel concept here, the radical concept, the shocking truth. That as the verse in Song of Songs says, the many waters are not able to extinguish the, the, the love. And rivers cannot drown it. The Hagam, here's the Ravosa, here's the shocking truth. The Hagam, that although the flood waters are coming from a level of Taihu, which is higher than Tikkun, which he says is the source of the godly soul, the godly soul is coming from Tikkun. I mean, the highest level of Tikkun, from Chochmi Law, which is Chochmah, the highest level. Inatzilus, the highest world, but that's still Tikkun. Tayu was all prior even to Atzilus, prior to the system of worlds that we speak about. Mikol Makim, nevertheless, 
la yuchlul chabis chas v'sholem esoava shebenefesholakis. The many waters will not extinguish the love of God that the godly soul has. In other words, this is all part of the counterintuitive, ironic paradox <coughs> that <coughs> when we understand that the Maim Rabim are called Maim Rabim because they come from a level of Rabim, of abundance, called Taihu, which is higher than Tikkun, which is the source of the godly soul, now it's even more interesting, to say the least. So all Neshamas come from Tikkun. Yeah, all Neshamas come from Tikkun, right. And this Nisnyan is from Hashem. These floodwaters are coming from And these floodwaters are coming from higher than Tikkun, from Tayu. And yet, although the floodwaters are coming from a higher source, it doesn't extinguish the love possessed by the godly soul, which is from a relatively source. lower source. And how does Hashem operate with us now? From Tikkun or from Tayu? Generally speaking, Hashem's not bound by any of this, but generally speaking, our experience of reality is Tikkun. That's the world as we know it. We're living in Tikkun. However, like he's saying here, there are glimpses from behind the veil where some toyhu reaches us. And when we're experiencing Tirdes HaParnasa, that is when some of that toyu stuff is entering into our normally more Tikkundic life. Is that, is that extrapolate to any challenges that we experience that are painful? <coughs> like what so as we mentioned now? last week, that we can speak generally about all the troubles that we have because of embodiment, whatever type of problems they are, yes. However, here we're specifically focusing on Tirda Sopranosa, on these types of stress, but yes, as we mentioned last week, most of the mechanics of this would hold true for any type of problem that we have because we're in a physical world, yeah. Well, you know, it's like, like would you like a drink? Well, are you thirsty? Yeah, would well, you like some uh, Sprite? Oh, I love Sprite. Great. I've got a fire hydrant full of Sprite. I'm going to shoot you in the face with a fire hose of Sprite. Well, that, I, nah, I don't like Sprite that much. Or maybe I don't like Sprite that, I don't like that much Sprite. <laughs> okay, so... It, 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 it's great stuff, this, this creative energy, it's just, it's, it's too much. It's too much. So we're going to experience it as negative. And indeed, not only do we experience it as overwhelming and negative, even in the higher worlds it was experienced as negative because it broke. So we're not saying those lights are good or bad. To the contrary, they're godly. They're godly lights. It's God's creative energy. But when it's too much, that's, that's not sustainable. That leads to breaking. And that's exactly what happened in Tayyuh. It broke down. Is that comparable to what happened in Matan Toyota? In Matan Toyota, the soul's flying out of the bodies because, I mean, look, there's a general concept of too much of a good thing that we can't contain it, we can't handle it. Yeah, so you can. Understand it that way. We're not saying the lights are bad lights. To the contrary, they're very, very holy. They're very holy, but it's just too much. Blinding. Like anxiety, like in therapy. Yeah. Like if someone's like too overwhelmed, like their anxiety, they're not functioning. That's like 
the abundant, like unhealthy level. Whereas like anxiety is not necessarily all bad. Like anxiety where it says, hey, there's something wrong here that needs something and I need to shift or I need to change. Or, right. Or even to... Or, like it's contained in a way that I can... To, use, to use your example, a person can become overwhelmed by some positive development in life. Like you're, you're saying, your example is sometimes there's anxiety, but you know something negative, but they don't have to be overwhelmed by it. And sometimes what I'm saying is there could be something that's purely positive, and a person is overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. So it's not we're not describing so qualitatively. We're not describing qualitatively. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's all good. Quantitatively, the way that it's being delivered, we can't handle. Mm -hmm. Can't handle it. So we experience it as a negative thing. Okay. So let's continue here. Vahatam Now he's going to break it down a little bit and get into the explanation for it. The reason for this. The reason for what? The reason why the godly soul will not lose its love of Hashem, even in conditions that would seem to really put that at risk. The reason for this, is like it said before this verse. Meaning if you open up the Shira Shirim, Song of Songs, and you look at the verse before where it talks about the Maim Rabim, it talks about Rishafeha Rishbi'esh Shalhevis Ka. Its coals are coals of fire, a powerful flame, or a flame of God. It can be read in both ways. Rishafeha Rishbi'esh, its coals are coals of fire, Shalhevis Ka, a flame of God, a powerful flame. That's what it says right before it talks about the Ma'im Rabim. Sheshoresh Haneshama, that the source of the soul, Va'ava Misuterishaba, and the latent love within it. My Tanya students all know about the latent love, Va'ava Misuterish. What chapter in Tanya, by the way? The inheritance. The inheritance, yeah, what chapter? Where do we first learn about it? Just make a guess. It was discussed for 46 or earlier. It's much earlier than 46. In the 20s. Second to third? 20s is close. Mm -hmm. 18. 18. Okay. So you, you remember like the contest, like how many gumballs are in this jar? <laughs> so you came closest. Okay, you win the gumballs. All right. <laughs> All right. That the source of the godly soul and its avamisuteris, its latent love for Hashem, is from the essence of God, which is even higher than Taihu. Ha! You thought Taihu was the highest level. Now we got levels higher than Taihu. We've got Atmus Oreinsof, the essence of the infinite light. Because ultimately, Taihu is also a product, it's very lofty. But I thought we came from Tikkun. Yeah. Well, that's what you thought. And you weren't wrong. You just didn't have all the information. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
it's more complicated. The source of the godly soul, like you said, yeah, you're right, not wrong, is Tikkun. But even higher than that, the source of the godly soul and its love for God is from the essence of God. Now, how, how can they both be true? Because they are both true. There's the, you know, this is Parshish Lech Lecha. And Hashem tells Avram, leave your birthplace. And the first problem Rashi has in the beginning of the Parsha is he already left his birthplace. When Hashem spoke to him, he was in Choron, not in Urkazdim. So Rashi says, go even further away from your birthplace, right? Go to Eretz Canaan. So. And we just finished Parsha Snabach with the floods and the waters and the whole. Yeah, that's right. But hold on a second. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you're not. No? No. no Where was Avram from? What did his, uh, his immigration papers say? Or what was the what, What's the port of, uh, when you have to go to customs and immigration, you have to say what port you came from? Where Choron is? Okay, but whatever, it's called Choron. So his origin was Ur Kasdim, but his port that he came in from was Choron. Now you get it? Who's smart? Who got it? If I ask you, like Neville, where, yeah, what'd you say, like Neville? Yeah. <laughs> Googie says like Neville. Okay, exactly, exactly. You're <laughs> if I would ask a real, from a real Lubavitcher, Geja, where are you from, no, but a real one, yeah. yeah. Like Googie, I would say, where are you from? You wouldn't say, I'm from Brooklyn, even though you came here from Brooklyn. You said, I'm from Neville, because you're a proud Neville. That's right. But you are, you, you've never even been to Neville, have you? Oh. No. And I actually don't like when they even say it. You don't like when they say it. You need to drink more Zexenainziker, then you'll like it. Okay. So you're following? Yes. If I ask you. Like, where are you really from? Where are you really from? Yeah. Right. Okay. If you ask a Neshama, where are you from? So it's going to say, from Chochmei Elah, from the level of Chochmah in the world of Atzilus. That's where I came to this world from. Yeah, but where are you really from? Oh, originally, Atmos Oireinsof. So where does the Neshama come down to the world from? Where it's, what's the port of departure? Tikkun. Very good. Specifically, Chochmei Elah. <coughs> doesn't even mention it here in this Mimer, but if you learn Tanya, chapter 2, it tells you that. Tikkun. But if you say, yeah, but where'd you come from before that? Atzmos Oyerinsov, from the essence. So, now we've got like three things going on here. We say, hey, you want to hear something crazy? The Maim Rabbim are from Toyo, which is higher than Tikkun, which is where the Neshama is from, and yet the Maim Rabbim can't put out the love that the Neshama has for Hashem. Ah, uh, you know Why? Because although the Mayim Rabbim are from Toyu, which is higher than Tikkun, which is where the Neshama is from, the Neshama is actually from, originally from Oireyn Tzof, Atmos of the essence of the infinite light, which is even higher than Toyu. Okay. Okay. Our issues don't come from the Neshama. And our 
anxiety about finances or our fear and stress and feelings about the status of the world is not coming from the Shama. Correct. That's the point. That's, so, that's the point. So, okay. So my Nishama won't lose Hashem's love. So when you learn one hour a week of Chassidus, although you're learning two hours a week of Chassidus because you're also in Tanya, um, then it's hard to make the following claim. But what I'll say is this. You're saying, great, so now I get to hear about what the Nishama is experiencing. Good for the Nishama. But I'm the one down here who has to deal with it with well, my nervous system, which is being assaulted. It's a different part. A different part of me. It's a different part of me. Right. And what I'm saying to you is, you learn Chassidus every day until that replaces your Hanachas Ha'elam, your worldly way of looking at life, and your identity becomes more and more Neshama. And your way of dealing with your life becomes more and more Neshama. <laughs> Let's go step by step. You guys worked me up from one class a week to two classes a week. If this, by the way, I, I, I was telling my wife the other day, she's like, how was Tanya? And I said, you know, I'll tell you how Tanya was. It had a great turnout, which is what I told her is, you know how classes are. By definition, classes never, ever, they always fall apart. You can never keep, it's so rare you'll have good attendance for more than a few months. So the fact that a class has good attendance for years is, it, it says a lot. Yes, it does. It says a lot about the teacher, yes, but it, sa it says a lot about the, the, the students and about the, yeah. Like, what's the point? It's a system. Look, you take for granted the end product because it's all you've ever known. I mean, it's all you've ever known from a, an embodiment perspective. You've known the world as it is after it already exists. But there's a whole procedure behind that. And part of the behind the scenes is Seder Stauschlis and these worlds and these phases that are not temporal chronological phases, but phases nonetheless. And part of that system is that the soul <coughs> is first projected into an identity on, on a spiritual realm and then projected another time from that spiritual level down to the embodiment realm. That's just the system, how it works. It doesn't all happen at once. Right, but certain things are coming from Tohu. Like my, this yeah. Specifically, this preoccupation money is coming from Tohu. Yes. Hashem wants to somehow interconnect this, right? Whatever word, what, what is the gain there to come from that? Like why is the mind rather what are we trying to gain? Or what are we connecting? You mean at the end of the day, how do we define success after, after all said and done? Like, so what do we have access to in Tohu now if we overcome our mind rather? Oh, that's a great question. Now I get it. Now I get it. You're saying that's a really well phrased question. I'm going to say exactly your words. What do we have access to if we overcome the Maim Rabim? That's a great question. Okay, I'm not going to answer it right now, but I'm going to say <laughs> that's what you should be asking, which is, okay, I know that I can do this. If I do it, what am I going to gain? And I don't mean what am I going to gain in a selfish way. I mean, 
what will I have accomplished having done it? Obviously, there's a reason for it. There's a, there's a, there's a goal. And when I've reached that goal, there's some type of a, an asset. There's some type of a, an accomplishment. What is that accomplishment? How do you define it? Very, okay. I mean, I can say without giving away too much because we've already said this. Um, so this I'll say because it's, we've already learned it. What will you gain? You'll gain more love of Hashem than you had before. That we know already in the Mimer. Let's find out. Let's find out. Okay, Let's find out. Is, is the method to overcoming those worries by living more Neshama-like? The key to everything is living more Neshama-like. So you could always say that and be correct. That's a safe bet always. Okay, let, let's, let's finish the chapter, okay? Let's finish chapter three. Yeah, the last week we did chapters one and two. Today we'll just finish chapter three. Okay. <laughs> so we said that the Shodesh of the Neshama and its Avam Seteris is from Atzub's audience of Shalomayla Gamma Bechinus Tayo. Shishodesh ho Avash Benefesh Olakis Hu Bechinus Shalhavis Ka. Remember that metaphor he used? The coal fires? The love of Hashem that the godly soul possesses is compared to a coal fire. That's specifically the idea of the fire that's in the coal. You know how, you know how coal is. Sometimes a coal doesn't have flames even coming out of it. Because the flame is in the coal. In fact, it could look like it's not lit, but you touch it and it's very, very hot. Sometimes the flames come out of the coals. But a lot of times a coal, you can't tell if it's, if it's hot or not. Because the flame is inside. Yeah, sure. So that's the metaphor. The metaphor is there's this fire inside of the coal. It's in there. That even when you don't see it, it's in there. It's not supplanted or, or added to it or extraneous to the coal. It's coming from inside the coal. And sometimes it's in there, it's locked in, you don't even see it from outside. So the godly soul's love of Hashem is like the flame inside the coal. And even when it looks like maybe it's gone out, you know, you blow on it and all of a sudden it's turning orange, it's glowing. Oh, there was fire inside of it all, all along. And that's the godly soul's love of Hashem. Sometimes you don't see it overtly, but it's there, it's locked in there, it's inside. And on an even higher level, a higher level than the fiery coal, is the level called Tzur. Tzur is a stone. What kind of a stone? Like we say in Hawu, Tzur Chalomish, a flint stone. Did you ever meet the flint stones? So what's the difference? Why is a flint stone an even higher level than a coal? So both the coal and the flint stone represent how the Neshama has this passionate fire for Hashem, even when it's not revealed. Just like the coal, it looks like it went out, it looks dark, it looks dim. But if you blow on it, you see there's fire that was still inside. It can be revived. The flintstone 
has an even deeper fire within it to the extent that you can take a flint stone and put it in the ocean, put it on the bottom of the ocean for hundreds of years. And then you pull it out of the ocean and you knock steel against it and a spark will fly out. So the way that the flint stone contains its fire is an even deeper, albeit more hidden, but part and parcel of its being more hidden is also what makes it more intrinsic and in, in, inextricable, meaning it's always there, um, even more than the coal fire. Okay, so now we have two visual metaphors for the love that the, that the neshama has for Hashem that will never go away. Whether it's the coal fire that has it there, even when you don't see it, or at an even higher level, the flintstone that has it in a, in, a, in a very hidden way. He says here in parenthesis, Shalomayla Mahavaya, which is higher than Havaya, Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, the four-letter name. This level where the soul is compared to the flintstone is even higher than Hashem's name. Hashem's name, the four-letter name, corresponds to the four worlds, the Seder Ishtauslis. Again, we're talking about the way the soul is not just from Tikkun, but it's from even higher. It's from the essence, the Ur, the Atmos Erenz of itself. Okay. There, up there, that level is where the source of the soul is, like it's explained in Likutei Teira. We mentioned last week Teira Ayr, which is the Alter Rebbe's Maimarim. Likutei Teira is also the Alter Rebbe's Maimarim. It explains over there, the Alter Rebbe explains over there in Likutei Teira, that what does it mean, the verse, the verse from Kehalis, that the Ruach, the Spirit, returns to Elohim, the God, Asher Nasana, who gave it, that level, that level called God who gave it, is this lofty level that's higher than what we normally refer to when we refer to Hashem. We're really referring to Hashem as He is within the system of creation, within Tikkun. But when we say, the level of Hashem who gave the soul, that's even higher than Havaya, higher than worlds, and that's the real source of the soul, and up there, it's like a flintstone that keeps its spark even if it's submerged in the ocean for hundreds of years. In other words, the, the love that the soul has for Hashem can never be washed away, can never be extinguished, can never be put out. Okay, so now, just to wrap up what we learned in chapter 3, this is the concept. Why is it that the Mayim Rabim don't put out the love that the Neshama has for Hashem? Even though, which we introduced this week, that the Mayim Rabim are from Toihu, and the Neshama is only from Tikkun, it's from a lower source. Ah, because the Neshama is actually from even higher, in its ultimate source, it's from the Atmos Eirein Sof, it's from the essence of Hashem, and that's why even the Mayim Rabim from Toihu, as lofty as they are, cannot extinguish the love that the soul has for Hashem. Okay, that's chapter 3, we'll continue with chapter 4, God willing, next week.